They're like, and I we're feel good. like they're the perfect transition between traditional martial art and like modern martial arts. I can really relate to that. Yeah, you like I, I, I think, and that's where like I, I, they approach it truly as like a martial art and not a martial sport. I, th- I think that's why I love them so much, you know. But, and and they, you know, you, and you kind of shared the same journey where, and that's where Ryan's gonna hate me. He hates the word journey for some reason. He's like, it's not a fucking fitness journey, <laughs> but like where we became like disillusioned with traditional martial arts and try to find a different path right and that's i think i think that's why i like i i adhere so much to their philosophies about things i even started busting out my i started reading the tao of jeet kune do again and um what about like the art of war i okay so <laughs> i i <laughs> uh no i what, what was i listening to the other day on on audio tape um the book of five rings like yes. miyamoto musashi's i'm like this is all really good, but I'm like it. I'm like I'm having to like contextualize everything in the f- like convert it from like sword fighting <laughs> to like jujitsu and kickboxing, and I'm like, all right, this is this is not working very well right now. If you cut off a man's hand, he has another. Hand. <laughs> like, <laughs> like wait, yeah, like he, do I wrist lock a guy? Oh, if I wrist lock, if I break a guy's arm, he still has another. <laughs> Always keep death in mind. I think that was Masashi, wasn't it? Is that yeah, yeah? Because yeah. I mean, the, the dude like was like dueling to the death like this is is it that our jiu-jitsu <laughs> equivalent of like always train with strikes in mind i think well i mean just the idea of like kano's idea of tapping was like you're you're signifying death in um we can't tell that to white belts because then they won't tap and then they'll <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you mean i die <laughs> but I, that's like that's that's where the the martial art portion of it comes right is like learning to let go of the ego and you know it's sort of like what it was danaher talking about did you did you listen to the whole friedman or not yeah was it friedman and danaher rogan and danaher no there's also a lex friedman and danaher when oh, okay. no, seven hours total between the two of them <laughs> oh that's it three and a half hours each. <laughs> yeah like it's a good it's a good listen though it's a good listen but yeah i was like how i'd have to read it again but just the uh how tapping is you're signifying death basically and you know death of the ego i mean rogan always loves talking about that like in the jungle if this were the jungle i would have killed you (laughs) or you would have (laughs) killed me (laughs) so you're gonna start saying it every time you tap somebody yeah you're dead you would have been dead you're dead imagine that that's like the like kids playing tag tag you're it (laughs) 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 you died (laughs) all right so steve welcome back man Hey, yeah. what's up, guys? So you are you are heavily requested. Yeah, you are heavily you are. The reviews are in. Everyone likes Steve. They said bring Steve back, so we brought him back. A wow, mere two I'm weeks shook. later, I uh, do not find you're, myself I very mean, like, entertaining. You're also at guilty all. of not guilty of, but you have this. I guess stigma sounds bad too, but you're the. Everybody knows who you are, but not everybody knows you. Okay, one of those things, you know, like. We air everything about ourselves, so everybody knows us, but nobody knows you knows you, so it's good that we... No, there's a lot of positive feedback about just the yes. conversation, the dynamic between you and Chris, just your, your story and all that stuff, so yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, you want to talk about, about what was it? How, how, how did you describe it to me, Chris? You said, like, after it, you and Steve were talking, and Steve was like... Oh, we were chatting more we were about ch- And Steve like was like, do you guys methods. talk about this? 
and, and you were like, that's kind of all we talk about. <laughs> we like, end up falling like back to this coaching stuff. methodology, and that's <laughs> oh wow, that. yes. And you're like, oh, I have. So, what do you want to contribute? Give it, give us. Have you solved the the riddle of how to teach jujitsu to people? <laughs> No, you're my senpai. <laughs> you need to start the conversation on that. He's pointing. To, I, he's I'm pointing learning my that. way. I mean, like I've just I've probably thought too much about it, you know. And I, um, so l- let me ask you then, because we've kind of chatted about how, just in, you know, in, in I guess in privacy about just how classes are run and stuff, and and how I compared my old teaching methodology of running a jujitsu class, like a traditional martial arts class where things are sort of like disjointed and that sort of thing. And, um, versus like how I run a class now, which is very sort of skill development based and like everything's focused on that one thing so that the students leave the mat. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm like, you and I come from very, very similar backgrounds and stuff. And can you, can you see a, better cohesion like let's say do you think traditional martial arts can benefit from learning that way 100 percent. i think traditional martial arts does a lot of you said technique collection yeah it really resonated with me um a lot of technique collection and it doesn't actually acquire the skills or the reflexes that you need to do a functional art like brazilian jiu-jitsu i really like how you've explained to me and, and shared some some pretty cool resources about uh training specific skills and having that align from the beginning of class all the way to the end but also limiting some of the uh recklessness or comfort how about that how about some of the yeah, comfort, the comfort is that you have when you just say hey we did this technique for we introduced this technique for 10 20 minutes and you're probably going to forget it now for the rest of your life. Yeah. And you're just going to start rolling and just going free for all. But then you strip away some of the, the attacks and some of the, the grips, um, options that you can have. And then you start sp- specifically focusing on that technique. I think that really is powerful, immersive learning. Yeah, I mean, and plus, like, I mean, you had t- talked about how you used to play football, right? Like, yes. that's how you learn plays. Right? Like you, mm. you get the drilling in just the same in a limited capacity. And then as you get better at running it and everything's become streamlined, then you put it into a bit more of a, an alive environment, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. sit there and just like, because I asked, I don't know anything about team sports, right? Like I never played ever since I was a child. And I asked my friends who coach baseball, I asked them, like, how often do you guys like spar? You know, like in, in a baseball or football or, or whatever context. And they're like, well, like, like never you know like you don't you just play like on on game day like you, occasionally you scrimmage or skirmish i don't know what scrimmage, that scrimmage, yeah. scrimmage right occasionally but you don't do it that often and and you know that kind of made me examine i mean it was, it's fun though like sparring's fun as fuck like that's that's why we do jujitsu right but like does it really give you and hone the the knife as well as it as you could well and that's why like people when when all these guys on espn talk about like tom brady has all this playoff experience the reason that's more important is because it's not as though football players and football teams have a habit of scrimmaging let alone scrimmaging to simulate like a playoff environment so the fact that he's been in the playoffs playing actual games that mattered that many times is tangible experience where if, if you like you take any grappler and put him in a grappling, any competitive grappler. Oh, sure. 
Or even put them the, in a competitive class. I mean, they've had competitive rounds. The ratio of competitive rounds to actual competition rounds is, I mean, they dwarf the actual competition, where it's reversed when it's in football. It's all situational. Like, he's practiced how to throw. He's done route running with his yeah. receivers. But actually playing games, like, they don't play games in practice. Right. So there's kind of a... So just to further your point. Right? Yes. You're a really high-level tennis player. What was that like? How did you prepare for matches? What was the teaching methodology like for tennis? It was... Um, so I think tennis is similar to stand-up in the sense that there's you know the number of shots you can hit in tennis. While there's a lot of variety to each one, you can have on one hand. It's like a serve, a forehand, a backhand, volley. And an overhead, but an overhead's kind of like a, a serve anyway. It's just the ball's coming down. Mm. Um, so it was, you know, a lot of it was we would do like two-on-one drills. So even though I'm playing singles, I'd have two people on the other side of the net. How Sometimes the hell do you even... So like you're playing against literally two people? Yeah, but that means they get, they get to cover half the court. So I'm moving having to cover more court. Okay. In theory, they have a better shot of hitting good shots because they're not having to move. So if if the guy on if the guy on the deuce side, so on the, you know my on my left hits the ball and I try to hit it to away from him, I'm hitting it to someone else. Yeah, yeah. So, so he doesn't have to run. So they're stationary working on accuracy. I'm working on movement and hitting my shot. So hmm. it was uh, just a lot of repetition. So you ways get your ass to do repetition. a lot in that, um, right? Like. I mean, and, you, and like, what to what capacity are they trying to beat you? Are they? Go, uh, we would turn no. They're to, trying to move me. Are they trying to go one hundred percent though? Yeah, like, that was my next question. Are you mm, going one hundred? You're going one hundred, yeah. right? But there's no way they are. You would never win. Well, there's a there's a difference because it's like it's like in tennis, going one hundred percent doesn't mean like. I'm tensing up and using all my muscles. In fact, that's counterproductive. I mean, sure. golf, you can attest to that in golf. Like, if you tense up, like, I want to hit this as far as I can. You need, there needs to be fluidity there. Absolutely. So, in terms of tennis, it's more of just, like, um, how you construct points. So, how you, how you construct... How you structure the drill? No, no. How you, like, if you're playing competitive tennis, it comes down to how do you construct the point. The point is that, you know, every... You, you serve, and that's a point that's being played, right? And... Constructing it is like, okay, I'm going to serve the ball out wide so the guy is outreached. Percentages dictate he's probably going to hit it back to this area of the court that I'm going to hit it down the line and get him moving. So the idea is how can I, using geometry and angles and spins, so not only just like angles but also depth and heights, um, move a player to the point where that next shot he won't be able to reach because that would be a winner. The analogy is much closer to stand-up. Agreed. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah, think, yeah I, much, much. I would, much I would think that because yeah. you, you, the the techniques at your disposal are a lot less. Where jujitsu, it's like there are all these different sweeps, there are all these different things. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's like, well, what if they do this? We're, we're all trying to distill like yeah. in the concept. Yeah. Whereas in tennis, it's you know doing that sort of thing. So to answer your point, like to answer your question, it's it's um, practicing the individual shots through repetition, both in kind of like a, I mean. Everybody practices their serve. It's the most important shot. It starts the point. And how do you practice your serve? You just toss up the ball and you hit it. Like, nobody else is involved. Like, I could take a bucket of balls out and just practice my serve. Right. You know? Um, and then if you're doing, if you're, if you're, quote, competing, 
playing a tennis match doesn't make sense because it's too long. Like, you'd never in a practice, like, a tennis match can go anywhere from an hour to five hours, depending on the level, depending on where you're playing. But most people up until pro, even on the men's side, are playing best two out of three sets. A set can take an hour. Sometimes it'll take less if you crush the guy, but between 30 minutes to an hour per set. So 30 minutes, let's go short. 30 minutes a set, that's an, an hour just to play a match. Could go an hour and a half, could go two. So it doesn't make sense to play a full match. You end up playing scenarios, you know? Okay, so let me ask you, and to put it in the context of... It's weird, right? Because, like, does, does tennis have a season? Does golf have a season? No, actually, that's something that they, they talk about on the pro level. What's that? that? That having an off season, but they don't. They, it's very. So you're grueling. always. It's you very always grueling. So yeah, and and the emphasis is on yeah. players to, like the way the point system works. Like for rankings, you get, you have to defend your points every year. So the larger the tournament, oh, the more points yeah, on yeah. the line. So it's all money. So they don't reset it at the end of the year. It's not like everyone starts at zero. What happens is, let's say I won the U.S. Open. And let's say that's worth 500 points. In order for me to have 500 points the day after the U.S. Open next year, I have to win again. I have to win it again. If not, it'll be some, like if I got to the semifinals and I won Certain 300 sports points. sports are weird like that, right? Then like, I drop 200 points. Like, so, I'm reminded of like competition, like traditional martial arts, they, that circuit shit, they, they do that too, right? Fame. Like, Fame, ISKA, ISKA, all the point systems, tournament points. It's all a money grab, right? Like, is that so? I mean, it it puts a lot of uh, it puts a lot of onus on players to be active because the more tournaments they play, they can acquire more points. Obviously, the more prestigious tournaments have a drastically more point totals associated with results. But so something struck me as interesting in those like Gordon Ryan, um, I think I think it was the Donaher, Donaher interviews in and was it GSP also but either way like just the idea of when you're leading up to a fight that's when you you don't worry about as much about what your opponent's going to do you just need to hone what you're good at right because there's not a like opportunity for like to widen your base of like skill development like that's for the off season right for something like football or or any other team sport for that matter, unless you're, <clears throat> unless it's off season, and you're still out there pounding the pavement and working, like you're not going to get much better, right? I mean, like for tennis, because you're like when, because there's no off season, like how are you, how are you adding to your skill base then? So, again, there's I think. And I would think the stand-up analogy is kind of true. Like a lot of tennis is timing. Okay. Like if I don't, if like I, you know, when I was playing, and if I didn't play for a week, or no, excuse me, if I didn't play for, you know, a month or so, I would need a week to two weeks of just of just hitting. You don't even have to coach me or anything, just so I can see the ball well. I feel like I'm hitting the ball where I should be hitting it. I'm not late. You know, that sort of thing. Whether you're training or competing, will get honed. Okay. In terms of adding a new shot or a new like variation on what you're doing, then that's something you need to do quote in the off season. But you'll get better. Like my point is is a pro player generally has all the shots as long as they're in shape and they have 
the intelligence to win and they're healthy, then them constantly playing, they will get, they should, they have the capacity to get better, but it's getting better because their timing just keeps getting better and better and better and better. Okay. And I'll, I'll make the argument that you can never have perfect timing. You're always striving for that. And it's going to vary. Yeah. I mean, but over time, a, you're going to be like, I just too, can right? see like, the ball really well. And I'm, you know, like I can just, I'm, I'm seeing it off the guy's racket. And I'm able to hit it really, you know, cleanly. So maybe I should just do striking. Maybe striking will make, make I think, so much more I mean, sense like, to me. Just, just being light on your feet and stuff, like that's probably a huge, huge thing. I'm, I'm surprised that you don't do striking. Yeah, why, well, why I just didn't like the idea of getting I know you did that one class. That I did the one, one class. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Did you? Yeah, I enjoyed okay. it. Your just, lateral movement a, must be ridiculous. Yeah, you're like your knee's so good, right? Like it, it, you, you'll never blow out a knee. I mean, I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't. But yeah, footwork, you know, tennis, there's footwork stuff and, so and lateral movement and saving steps and stuff. Movie three but I don't, think, I don't think the footwork we're doing yeah. is the same kind of footwork you guys are doing. It's not. I, I will say, in, in, wait, in one respect, yes. But in another respect, no. So the side-to-side stuff that, that you see in a lot of tennis matches, no. Because that's but, like but a lot of recovery Fundamentally, step. it's still athletic. So oh, yeah, like but the that's fact any that you're on the ball is your knees. Like know, a like wide receiver. You're the ball your feet and that sort of thing. Yeah, and a wide receiver is like getting ready to go. Yeah. But where I could maybe see that is there's a lot of when the ball comes at you, moving around to get out of the trajectory of the ball so you can hit it. Yeah. That sort of circular movement. Cutting like those I, angles. Yeah, when I see like that, that whole Mike Tyson where he like, you know that whole thing where he sidesteps yeah, and, he, yeah. and he hits the body. Like I was like, well, that's what we all do. Like that's a forehand every. You know that you do to hit a forehand. Oh, okay. You know what I mean. So there's a lot of similarity. I just don't think the way if I were to throw a punch, I'd probably think about tennis and how you load up on your hips and you. Well, that's kinetic, but, kinetic linking. Yeah, exactly. Good, right? But I think biomechanically, it'd be a little weird. I have a feeling it is, my it punches is a little would be a little like, more like this because I want to hit a tennis ball instead of something like this. Yeah. Oh, know? yeah. Like I. It's and, and by like, the way, I'm saying this and this. I'm I'm literally like swinging my hand yeah. like a tennis racket, and then you should see throwing my throw feeble punch or, or a baseball. It's terrible. Like I I don't know. They're like, man, you keep your elbow way like <laughs> oh, I do this. You know, like when I throw, like that's not how you throw. T Rex all the time. Oh, it's terrible. So like, I, so I have a question going back to like earlier in this conversation, which is, um, just, I mean, Steve said it was like, oh, you teach your technique, and then if you don't have a chance to drill it in a more live situation you're just going to forget it forever so to speak you know so my question is how does and i agree with that i mean i i don't disagree with that but now my curiosity is we would agree that a lot of people don't have a purpose when they roll they just roll can we agree on that most yes. don't yeah. most yeah. don't yeah. And, and i don't care what the percentage yeah. is but there are definitely yes. a fair number of people that don't have a purpose how do they get good at what they do? How do they, like, if they forget, quote, forget everything that we learn, what skills are they actually developing that make them competent? Because they're not flopping on their backs three years later. They're actually doing jujitsu. Hmm. Is it optimal jujitsu for three years of development? Probably not, but they're doing something. So how do they settle in on the shit that they end up doing, even if it's what's not taught to them in that particular class? Chris is all perplexed. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so it's it's hard to say because like everybody knows that i'm a back flopper and and that sort of thing right like i I developed that just over time and it's largely because i'm just lazy i'd rather just deal with that you than got that. seduced by this i definitely got seduced by that <laughs> steve like i i can't pinpoint what your quote 
game is because you're very good at everything. Where, like, did you start grappling? When you grapple, do you, like, have certain things in mind? Like, do you grapple with strikes in mind? Do you grapple with the purpose of, like, does this translate to MMA? And, like, has that dictated, like, what you choose to work on, what you don't work on? Um, I think that in the beginning, I was just looking for any single opportunity for submission. And I think maybe that's where I get this kind of well-rounded game from. I didn't stick to just one thing. So anytime there was a foot or an arm or anything in, in my face, I would go for it. And then I would continuously research and find out how to, to get better at that with that supplemental research from other you know, BJJ masters, right? That I would find online. Most more recently in the last few years, I focused my BJJ on, um, with strikes, thinking about strikes, more of a self-defense. Yeah. And especially I, I, I shout out Nick a lot. He, he really, you know, helps me focus on that. Yeah. Cause he definitely grapples with MMA in mind and safety. I think about it. Yeah. I think about that for, for my, for my kids too. Like just like his wrist control is, it's very annoying. It's like so good mm-hmm. because I mean, like as a, a former cop, like that's mm-hmm. like you got to control their hands, right? So yes. Do you do you, yeah? You definitely don't grapple with any strikes in mind. I mean, I I can kind of flip the switch, but not to the degree that you guys have. You know, like I can kind of think that way, but I'm thinking more sport jujitsu when I roll. It'll never work in the streets, man. I want to bear and bowl with that guy in Baba before Paul does. Well, <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> I'm going to grab that belt buckle on their jeans. I'm going to go invert it. And they're going to be like, what? <laughs> World star. So, okay, that's interesting. Do you think people just sort of naturally, do you think they have their idea of jujitsu in mind and gravitate towards that and just like make it happen? Or do you think people. Like, they learn that one technique, it comes easy to them, and they just run with that because it came easy to them. Like chicken neck here, you know? Well, I, that, that, I have suspicions, but it, it's not, it's well, not clear. That's why I pose the question. I mean, what I suspect is people do what they like, and if they keep doing what they like, they're going to get reps at, and they'll get better at it. Sure. And if they're lucky, it'll, it'll provoke thought into how do I do this more and more. Like, if I can do it this one way, can I do it a, th- a second and third way? But how do they, I mean, wh- what do they end up liking? It's just weird. It, it's a reaction to outcomes and not a mental decision to say, I want to develop this skill. Ooh. You know? So we have, you know, let's say a bigger guy like, oh, I like just doing such, I like going for arm triangles. And then, he, you know, he's beating all the white belts with arm triangles, arm triangles, and then suddenly he's a blue belt, or he's like a two-stripe blue belt. Now everyone he goes with, he can't arm triangle him. How do I get back to that, though, right? Like, does, Either you think, he, you he, think he, it's he, like a beautiful mind where it's like... Well, he keeps doing that, or that student, like, just starts doing arm bars now because he likes arm... He found he could do arm bars, you know? Like low-hanging fruit. Yeah, just kind of... Which could be the result of just their attributes. When you ask that question, I really thought of... You know, what is the best way to teach? I remember back in the day, it was mount was like the ultimate position. You were always trying to pass to get to mount. And then that was like, how do you get there? Right. Um, I think systems like how 
Danaher and that whole team has just broke down systems to a T. Gives you a, a clear path, right? Sure. I bet you. I think you have to train purposefully for it to apply. It's not like, again, most of the students we, we, we kind of admit are not well. A good chunk of them just roll, and they get better. And my question is like, how do they get better? To learn like the Danaher systems, those students would have to have the the mindset to say, all right, I learned this. Now I need to find a way to apply it when I roll instead of the co- the, the common mindset, which is let me just roll. Oh, let me grab that arm because I love grabbing the arm. You mm. know. So I wonder, like, just we we always sort of circle back to Donaher, but like, at what point did he? Gordon Ryan described it really well when he's like, "I've got literally a cheat code in my corner," you know, like it's super refined now. So much that they can put, it, you know, they could put out DVDs with all the opportunities that are available, and the you know the heuristics that go with the decision making. And that's where, you know, he, Dan Hurricane talks about, like, Gordon Ryan, that his superior attribute is his ability to make decisions on the fly. You know, and it's because he's probably studied it as much as, as he has. Like, I wonder at what point, and obviously it's an evolving process, but when they really locked it down and said, like, this is, this is the path to do. You know, like, if you were to ask them 10 years ago to make a DVD set of their armbar system back control system and like would it basically be the same you know at what point are we lo- are we looking at the finished product i wonder when that was i don't know it's we'd have to ask them but that's just I mean, they're still refining it of course right yeah. because people are always gonna find ways to exit the system and then they've had to find ways to put them back in the system mm-hmm. but so anyways do you guys uh you also see that news about galvao and his yes. amazing announcement. He's going to defend, right? He's going to defend. I mean, will he, does, does that mean he's committed to it? Like, it's a verbal commitment. He could always pull out with it, you know. He could get Did they get him a million dollars? Is that what? <laughs> that, that was his original that was request, right? Give me a million dollars. We'll see. It's going to make things more exciting. So let me ask you, Noah, just speaking of competition, you've been heavily involved in Paul's um, competition training. That he's yeah, got I for guess, his yeah. upcoming super fight. Yeah, how structured has that been, and how focused has it been in terms of like this is what I want. To, like at this point, I, I I can't imagine he's trying to develop new skill. Right? It's game planning, conditioning. Like, how what has your experience been with that? Like, does he? It's been a combination of of hard rounds for conditioning purposes. And some situational. And he dictates the situation that you guys set up? Yeah, or? I mean, he's, he's, you know, like, let's do 50-50, let's do back mount, let's do front headlock, that sort of thing. Hmm. Very cool. Is there limited options from there, or are you just going? No, okay. just going. Just, you know, situate, you know, things you want to work, you know, where he wants to work from. Um, so, I mean, I think where he is, it's, it's not about skill development. It's about making sure the skills are sharp and that he's conditioned and in shape. You know, whereas if you look at like the amateur MMA fighters that are coming up now in the gym and anybody that's competing, but the amateur MMA is a good example because there are a fair number of them now. You know, I think the expectation is more like from fight to fight, there's gonna, there should be addition to your game. Like yeah. you're not just refining what you have. You're, you're competing 
to get competition experience and, and applying your trade against people of equal experience levels. But the assumption is if every six months you're competing, that means you're competing against a guy that has six more months of experience. And the expectation is with six more months, you have more weapons, you have more tools, you're, you're, you're more dangerous. You're not just, I throw that one jab really well and I just get better. No, it's like you added more to your game. So hopefully fight over fight, month over month, there is skill acquisition, you know, in addition to, you know, your six to eight week training camp where you're getting in shape and trying to peak as an athlete. So was that a satisfying answer? It was a very satisfying answer. Oh, okay. Thank you. So I'm kind of curious for, 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 because when, um, I remember a class Steve did, God, two and a half years ago. I don't know if I was a white belt or a blue belt at the time, but it was about um, the, the, what's it called? Straight jacket system, back mount. Yes. And I thought it was a really great class, and I thought you, you were very much like sandboxing, like, you know, think about this, work with this, check this out, think about, you know, and then you let us chill. So you claim to be like, I don't, you know, I, I've got a lot to learn about teaching and stuff. I thought you did a, you know, an above average job then. What made you like present the things the way you did, even though in your own words, I'm sure other people might disagree, but in your own words, you're kind of a more of a novice when it comes to teaching. I think I just was sharing one technique and not the whole picture maybe. Okay. And, and that's where now that I'm getting close to, you know, that black strap, I want to understand the whole picture when yeah. I'm explaining things, uh, the sequences before and after and all the options. I remember that class. Yeah. I had just kind of watched and digested the backs enter. Yeah. The oh, really? Series. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So and I was I like, man, we got to try this guy. Yeah, like, yeah, we yeah, all yeah. got to get better yeah. and uh, control the back better. And I do recall us working on it, sandboxing. Mm -hmm. I'd asked everyone questions. Was, that a, was it a Saturday class or was it a... It was just, it was just, it was just weird how the, the teachers, you know, the instructors lined up. There was just an absence of a black belt on the mat. Like, because yeah. Jim was teaching at the time. Paul oh, okay. obviously was teaching at the time. Tommy might have been as well, but it was just nobody was there and Steve was there. And, and I got right. the impression. It was like, you know, he had seen all or some of the instructional and it was like, you know, and, and he presented it in a way that wasn't like, this is the way it was like these are some new ideas i want to share with you let's put them to work because they seem like they have merit and can be applicable so i think this the fact that you came from a place of humility of just like hey consider this i'm not telling you to do this but just consider this and i'm going to share as as best i can what i what i've studied i mean i think that was great wow I, you know and i that's think that's cool. how yeah no no it was good <laughs> and actually it, it 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 yeah it it had a it had a good impact on on my game, even at that time, because I started. First of all, you have an exceptional memory. Like you remember <laughs> oh so. Do you get that a lot? You you no. remember so <laughs> many little just interactions. Uh, but but what is it? Every once in a while, you come into contact with somebody for a short amount of time, and it makes a <laughs> <laughs> I love those type of trainings. I love when we're sandboxing and mm -hmm. and, and, then, and then drilling from that position. Mm -hmm. um, I really like situational training. I really like the way Chris teaches class. He, 
Oh, and, and Chris. if you can, Chris is getting red in the face. That man, I have bit. no alcohol involved either, <laughs> which is interesting. So. Chris, yeah. the check is in the mail. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, I don't know if the right word is alignment, but it's a it's a, a thread throughout the entire training from even warm ups, all the way to situational training. And it, and a lot of times when people start situational training, it. It starts in that situation. It, but it becomes sparring. Yeah, yeah, it, it becomes it a minute-long sparring instead of like an actual situation. And, and yeah. you, you weren't taught that, really. No, I wasn't. I mean, like, I've kind of, you know, you know, I've chatted offhand or offline. But just the idea of, I used to structure my classes like a traditional martial arts class, which tends to be, I mean, like, for anybody who's done karate, taekwondo, fucking, and every class is, you know. It's funny because like my... um. My best friend Andrew, his son is in like a karate class now, you know, and <laughs> and I don't want to I don't want to shit on that too much, but just it's, it's <laughs> it is what it is, and you know, all of these ideas of how classes are structured in terms of like it's it's like a revenue based system in which they try to upgrade you on. Oh, get the hey, silver plan. Yeah, yeah. The black belt no, 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 no. about leadership plan. You know, oh. and like now he gets Ooh. to learn weapons. <laughs> what? Now he gets to learn sparring. I'm like, so that doesn't work within a live art, right? So I, we need to have Paul back on because he'll tell us when they did that. It doesn't work. He's yeah. done that once with Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to tell it, but he's way better at telling the story yeah, it just, <laughs> because it's like Monday and Tuesday were curriculum days. But then you'd have like the pl- if you're a, a, yeah, a if you're platinum, a platinum member, then you come you know, on Friday. Or so he's right? like in karate, I can kind of see it because you could learn katanas, right? But the you prob- can't learn like oh I'm, I'm but, gonna but but now the left hook I'd be you. teaching a class where there'd be white belts to pay for this program and brown belts that played for the program, and I'm supposed to show like two more Delaheva sweeps. Like we covered like some regular Delaheva sweeps. Now we're gonna show special Delaheva sweeps or something. So it was really weird because. Again, I guess that's part of the aliveness thing is you had guys that were white belts and brown belts on that same class. And it's like, how, how can this work, you know? Yeah, I mean... Because it's, it's not an independent skill. Yeah, and I just think back to, like, when I was doing Taekwondo. And, like, you do these, like, forms that are meant for your belt or whatever. It's really, like, I could literally sit there and watch and just, like, learn a form. And you're like, oh, you can't learn that yet. I'm like, why not? Like, <laughs> if I can do it, like, why, you know, why do I have to wait to the next thing? And just the idea of, like, withholding information is such a weird... I understand the idea of withholding information for something like the student safety, or they're literally just not, you know, just to, to hit on what RVV was talking about. Like, if you, you can't control them until you can control your own body. And like, like that, that makes sense to me. Like, you have to have the physical awareness and the physical capacity to do something before you can move on to, like, a fucking barambolo, you know, inverting and stuff. Like, you, you, there are certain, like, fundamentals you have to hit first. But beyond that, like, you just have to start experimenting and learning. And, and, and you can get to the minutia of things, but if you kind of step back and look at it, it's all minutia. It's all minutia in terms of, like, systems. Right, it's just it's where you, how far back do you really want to look in terms of like that skill tree of stuff, and but just going back to like, um, you know, you you were talking about like how I run my class and stuff, as I used to run it, and I and it was me, as an early instructor too, like I would try to say try to include an element of stand up clinch and ground in every class, right? So, but that leads to a you you get a little bit of everything, but you don't get really good at anything 
you know, if you're starting here with fucking 10 minutes of like stand up grappling and, you know, you know, you only get 10 minutes to work a throw or something. And, and in, in that 10 minutes, you have to, uh, you know, learn the geometry and the physics and stuff like it, you just don't have enough time. And then like the takedown portion of it and then like a, a ground transition to a submission, like you just don't have enough time. So like I had to really kind of step back and, and learn from other resources about how we can get better at teaching skills and to focus on a more cohesive class with a theme. And I see what I've taken enough seminars now where the best seminars are the ones where they focus on one thing and one thing only. And the worst ones are like 25 techniques. What's that? 25 techniques. Oh 25 yeah. Techniques. So many techniques. Yeah. Like those are terrible. Right. Because like, Hey, you don't have enough time to, for the person to really examine you and tell you what you're doing wrong and how you can modify it for yourself. And here are my go-to moves. Right. <laughs> or, or even it's just, it's, I, at this point, I, I like the idea of becoming more of like a, what is it, a martial arts archaeologist where you d- dive deep into what works and why it works versus like how much, how, how many different things can you throw at me and well, like I, avoid I, that technique collecting so thing. So what I find very peculiar about jujitsu is, and it's more so than I think other sports is there are a lot of suboptimal techniques that people do that you have to account for when teaching because there's such common reactions, even though ideally the person would never give you that reaction because they know it's suboptimal. But people still do it is what you're saying. Yes. So for example, like in 50, 50, when your opponent stands, I really don't see any merit now in the bottom person keeping a strong triangle because if you have a strong triangle, the guy can just shove your legs yeah, you down. Yeah, he just passes your guard. <laughs> like, but we have to show people that because a lot of people in 50-50 will do that if you stand up. So you, you're, you spend a lot of time teaching, well, they shouldn't do this, but they're gonna, if they do this, you do this. Because for whatever reason, it's not intuitive. The answers are, never, are, are not always super obvious that if someone does something suboptimal, there's a very obvious counter to it. Many times it's not that obvious. And you have to That's know. That's very interesting. You know, and I was just like, this is kind of shitty because it's like the person shouldn't be doing it. But if the person's not aware that he shouldn't be doing it, it could still work. So we have to tell them. But if they all, <laughs> if they, if everyone, you know, if everyone knew it's like, it's like, it's, it's basically like playing tic-tac-toe and knowing if you don't start, you're going to lose every time. Right. But you still like play tic-tac-toe anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. It's like, it's game's over. I went first. I put X in the middle. I win. Like, you know, like. But on a micro level, isn't that the idea of like rising tide raises all ships, right? Like you have to, you have to teach that person the optimal reaction in order for you to get, to produce an optimal result. Cause like. Yeah. But what I'm saying is even if you taught, if you taught everyone the if you taught everyone the quote the right thing to do, they would still not necessarily know how to counter when someone did the wrong thing. And then suddenly people would start getting. If I want to win, I'd be like, I'm going to do the wrong thing, and bet the person doesn't know how to counter the wrong thing. You understand? My, my dilemma is because non-optimal movements do not have seemingly do not have obvious counters. They can uh. still succeed. Right. And it's that 
that characteristic or attribute of jujitsu that I'm pointing out as being kind of like bizarre. Because I was noticing that, especially with 50-50. Because I've been, I've been like, I want to start teaching 50-50 now in, in Nogi. And I know how a lot of people want you to do 50-50. But I know a lot of the passes we, sh- we have to show assume the person on bottom, in, you know, bottom is not doing the right, quote, I'm saying right, but the optimal 50-50 leg, in, you know, configuration. Hmm. So that, that got me all like, that's kind of shitty about jujitsu. <laughs> And can we get people to develop an intuition? We're like, oh, clearly that's wrong. Even if you don't get taught move for move what the counters are. Yes, because don't all moves and positions have an optimal base structure and alignment. Yes. Right? So, like, there's this an SPG saying, and it's sort of like, I, lo- I love their little analogies and stuff, right? And it's like the three P's. It's like posture, pressure, possibilities. It's like if you, it's in it. It's right in line with no pun intended, with RVV and and Rob Bernacki's thing. Is like I just know that if my head is here, right, I, I'm clearly not in proper alignment, right. So like the likelihood of me performing anything better, I just know if if somebody's trying to crank my head here, I probably don't want it to be there. So I need to find a way to get it back here, right. Like general rule of thumb is you want your elbows close, right? Like anytime you're, that's the thing. Like, so anytime I teach like a white belt or something, you know, if there's something that I can, I, I love the, the idea of hierarchies that Danaher impressed on me at a very early stage in my jujitsu career. Is like, I just know if I, if a white belt learns the hierarchy of positions, whether they know jujitsu technique or not, as long as they know where they need to be and where they need to not be, then that's a very good start, Right. So whether they know proper mount escapes or not, if they're mounted, and if they're mounted, they know I just shouldn't be extending my arms up, right? Let, that's a good start, right? So if you teach them general principles and a roadmap of where to go, was an infinite amount of monkeys on typewriters, like perfect jiu-jitsu should develop. But it's just an idea of determining what the best principle best practices are and best principles are for each and and best roadmap is is the challenge that's the, that's the never-ending quest that will be on forever right so that's that's sort of how just going back to what we talked about many many times at this point is like the idea of guard retention like what's guard retention like if you have your fucking knees and elbows close to your hips like they'll never pass your guard right like so it's just all the minutia around that surrounding that of how i get my knees and hip my knees and elbows back to where i need to be we talked about that you said when we were grappling the other day you're like man all you do is just pull your knees back i'm like yeah that's that's what i do yeah keep it inside it makes it harder to pass right like and as long as students learn that they'll they just know like if you know they're yanking my foot here i just need to find a way to weave it back in and then it'll Obviously, their training methodology, like they'll, there's a way you can make that, you can bypass the fucking experimenting until you figure out the best practice. But, you know, I think we all sort of know what we should do as long as you keep those principles in mind. Thoughts? Say. <laughs> Sees our guest and, and he's been talking less than that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think this is all very interesting because you're right. Sometimes you have to teach that suboptimal technique like this mm. this really wouldn't work but we always say the teacher yeah. says that 
somebody's gonna try this yeah. and it's not gonna <laughs> work. So you just gotta know this, yeah. right? Um, probably just teaching the basic fundamentals, those other, like you said, minutia is going to arise. You're gonna have to address them at some point, but I think that just comes kind of naturally. Like, like, did you have a football coach coming up that you thought was a good coach? No, not one that oh. I can highlight. <laughs> <laughs> no shout Take out that. to Vero Beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm just trying to think, like, like if you think you can think of any instructor outside of jujitsu, and outside of, I mean, the thing is, your background is very much in martial arts. So I was just thinking, any like, let's say, traditional sports background. Because I think you can always like look to them because chances are it's a more mature sport than jujitsu, so the coaching methodologies are more mature and mm-hmm. and I was I mean I was like using wrestling as the analogy and I swear every wrestling coach they have these sayings, you know yeah man and sometimes they're politically correct sometimes they're not politically correct but it's in like if you talk to anybody who had a decent wrestling coach. That's like the first three things out of their mouth when they're trying to show you anything. It's like, oh yeah, yeah you know, like oh, three I mean, points like, in a line. Even, or, you know, even you know. principles, right? Yeah, concept, just, yeah. That, like uh, I, I wrestled for like a month and a half in high school, and I still remember heel toe knee follow. They, <laughs> that, it, like, <laughs> so how come we don't do that in jujitsu? We should. Yeah, <laughs> why I, is I do that? it when I teach a drop step? <laughs> heel toe knee follow, right? Like that's that is the most basic. <laughs> We should do that. <laughs> like, and what are they? We, we, we talked about this specific topic a, a few episodes. Yeah. Well, I, we've talked multiple times, but yeah, that whole thing. Like, what are the expressions? What are the sayings? Not enough. Knees to them. elbows. Knees to elbows. Yeah. Everybody knees to elbows. <laughs> inside position. Inside <laughs> So what are you doing? Is there anybody that you like to watch for kickboxing that you like to follow? For kickboxing? Because um, that's what you and I are doing today. And I'm, I was a big fan of, uh, I mentioned it before, Bukow, Sanchai, Petrosian. But there's not a lot of good, like... Okay, so how do you learn best? Um, this is something that I, I, we, we talked about with Paul. Do you learn best, like, in an academic fashion, where it's all sort of, like, laid out and you have to study it and that sort of thing? Or, you know, Paul says, like, he just watches tape. You know, and he kind of like reverse engineers things that way. How do you feel that you learn best? For me, probably being that sandbox type of scenario, I can watch tape, I can watch videos mm-hmm. and learn them, but I have, it's got to be tactile for me. That's why I think I like your, your teaching methods too, is it has to be tactile. I have to test it out. And I like a back and forth kind of commentary from, from others pointing out my blind spots as well. That's, that's something that we should teach a little bit more as to be a better student too is like giving constructive feedback to your like partners but well, then that again a, that, that also was a involved. big thing Donner was talking about with Lex Friedman the first thing I do is teach everybody how to be a good student and That's, how to and how to how to drill specifically yeah how to drill that's a really good point because coming from traditional martial arts even though I I competed a lot in karate uh, traveled around competed and so you did wing chun okay i asked you the other day if you ever competed in kickboxing you said no you yeah no, no, no you said no but you did compete 
in traditional martial arts in the sense of sparring and forms or yes yeah. yes okay. tournaments isk fame all that type okay of stuff. so you have competed yeah like, yeah all a right lot. yeah right. I, I i competed what type what style in, of sparring? in germany as well yeah with what style guy. of sparring in isk yeah um, like continuous sparring or, or I did continuous sparring uh one year but the majority of it was point sparring okay yeah all right and then doing all the forms and stuff but the point was coming from those traditional um, backgrounds, and especially in Wing Chun too. When I came to train with Paul, I don't think I was a very good student because I wouldn't ask a lot of questions because I was like, "Oh, they're the master; they know." You everything. never questioned the yeah. Right? I never questioned the authority. It. Yeah, so maybe that's why I like that kind of sandbox vibe where I'm talking to my fellow peer Matt brothers and we're figuring things out together. That's why, like, even like I, like I don't like the. Like the rank. I mean, like I, I like the rank in terms of like achievement, but like the idea of. I mean, you don't like being called coach. I. Uh, You're like, don't call me that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Just, don't. I don't like that. Just call me Chris, right? Yeah. Like, or even like. <laughs> two two parties rolling at one another, and then like the higher belt has this can stay, but the like fuck that man. Like that's just I don't <laughs> like that shit. Like, or like. Yeah. Like standing and, and well, standing in line that that sort of makes that's that's a traditional thing that I kind of hang on to, but like asking to it, like if you're running a little late from work or something and you got to stand on the side of the mat and be allowed permission to get I'm like nah just get like I know you're you've made the effort to get here like get on the mat and train like that that's my thing like I'm not that you know that's one of the things that I, even as like I like the word coach better than like master and all that sort of stuff because I don't like I'm not better than you I've just been doing it a little bit longer what right? about professor Ooh. <laughs> oh doctor. professor Vu. I and, like that's even worse like I've yeah. had some people call me that before and I'm professor. like professor like no 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 it's, like, it's that, especially cool when the, when the when people visit so they always go for the most they, they don't know what kind of school we are <laughs> yeah so you go you, for the highest <laughs> and they're just like professor <laughs> Excuse That's me, professor. Weird. And like, it's like, no, oh, no, you're good. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not down with that at all, you know. Like, and maybe it's because like my taekwondo instructor was also like, like a like a family friend. So like, to to, he was always like you to me. Like, he's just like my uncle, basically. Like, so I never called him like Master Fook. Uh, like none of that stuff, right? So like, because it was maybe a little bit more casual in my my traditional martial arts background, like the. The idea of like, I'm not some like super authoritarian or, 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 or authority of all knowledge, right? Like I'm here just to facilitate your learning. Like that's always been in the back of my head too. But anyway, so, but yeah, so you, in all of your traditional martial arts experience, was it always a, you don't question the authority type of atmosphere? Yeah, a little bit like that, especially with some of the hocus pocus arts I mentioned, like the the Japanese jiu-jitsu stuff. Like I didn't question. Like I, I spoke after the podcast. I spoke to some of my friends about it, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> "Do you still keep in contact with them?" Yeah, that's awesome. They didn't train BJJ or any kind of MMA or functional arts. Do they afterwards. still do that shit? No, but they did. <laughs> okay, they like, they like, did <laughs> admit. You know, they're like, I don't know why we did double double jumping kicks to the chest (laughs) 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 athletically it's cool right like if if you can when you're ready for that wire work as a stunt (laughs) stunt guy (laughs) in the matrix (laughs) the stuntman career could have been a possibility with those arts but i didn't question a lot and i thought that was me being a good student you know like 
just coming it, here. It is being a good yeah. student, though, right? I mean, for the purpose of that mm-hmm. art, but is it allowing you to explore and become the best martial artist you can be? That's, mm-hmm. but that's so that's the thing too, right? Like, I, it's taken me a long time to come to terms with the idea that different people have different goals, and like ultimately, like. I do this because I want to defend myself and stay in shape and, you know, learn to fight, which I'm still very unsure of me being able to do. But, like, that's what I want to do. And if, you know, and I I think my buddy Andrew, for example, who signed his kid up for karate, he's starting to become a little disenchanted with just the, the, the sort of, like, BS that's often involved with, like, the business of martial arts and stuff. But if that's what you know, like other parents want to sign their kid up for is essentially a daycare or whatever it is. And that good on them, right? Like you, it's the soft skills. I think you learn from martial arts, especially traditional martial arts. Like I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be nearly as respectful to people as I am if I didn't do it for 11 years beforehand. Right. Yeah. Like that, that was, it, it probably weirded you out. It's just the super casual nature of Very like casual. A, of a, of a gym. That's why I don't even call it a dojo. I call it a gym, you know? Because it definitely did teach discipline and, and being goal-oriented. But the one thing that I always had an issue with was teaching forms, katas, and weapons. But then they tell you to fight, and it's nothing like what they're teaching you. They're just telling <laughs> yeah. you to fight a totally different style yeah. than what, you know? It's... <laughs> So when didn't I tested any from sense to me. my third degree black belt, and it's funny because like I think about it now, and I'm like, why was it done this way? I was I had to spar two people at one time, right? <laughs> Which I'm like, first off, like knowing kind of how to fight now, like you generally don't beat two people, right? And coupled with the fact that you throw a rock at one of them, hope it hits them, and then you fight the other guy. Yeah, or just <laughs> but you also I had never even trained how to fight two people, so I would give a little bit more credit to the actual test if I had spent a month developing the skill to do it. Yes. But come test day, it was literally just a matter of like, you and you, spar Chris. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, like, just as a coach, I've always stuck it in my head now. I'm like, I will never put my students, <clears throat> excuse me, in that a situation. That such a drain on your chi. <laughs> I mean, You're I like, I don't have to meditate extra hard ahead of this. test somebody on something that they, they've never learned or trained how to do? Above all, you know, like that's, well, I think, I mean, is it possible to be devil's advocate that the purpose is not to demonstrate that it's not skill development, it's something else. It's like, like calm under pressure or something. I don't know. Yeah. I think you're giving a little bit too much credit, but (laughs) did you ever, so what was, so how many total, I can say I've trained three total styles of martial arts, jujitsu, kickboxing, and Taekwondo. How many have you done in total? Um, Yoshikai Karate, Sunuka Suru Jiu Jitsu, uh, Wing Chun, Muay Thai, BJJ, MMA. Okay, so you've actually a- actively trained MMA as well. See, I haven't even done that. <laughs> like, um, and and what were the, you know, we're still trying to figure out the grading for Jiu Jitsu in terms of like. That, that's always going to be I mean, I, 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 I look at it as, like, you know, everybody... I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I've heard this saying in a lot of... I don't know its origins. I'm sure it has a lot of... I'm sure it has origins in various spiritualities or religions even, but it's, like, being the best version of you. So I think 
the the jujitsu coach has a has a vision of like your potential as a jujitsu athlete. Yeah. And uses that as the the criteria for belting you. So what was the testing? as opposed to just strictly like can A B B, you know? No, yeah, that would I mean, then <laughs> yeah. there would only be one black belt if that were the yeah, case, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what were your testings like? In the, the various arts. And how much done. did they cost? <laughs> they, they always cost. They always did yeah. cost. Shout I out to AT Torlando. Paul does not charge no, for Muay Thai not. testing or jiu-jitsu testing. Or, or, or to, belt. Or to become a disciple. Yeah. I could stand on the left now. Right? Like, I mean, it's only three grand. If you think about it, in the long run, it's for, not for that Lifetime. Bad. Lifetime. Lifetime membership. That's like, that's like the uh, lifetime membership to Rosetta Stone or whatever it is. Like, you're good, right? What, what were your... You're really right. There is a syllabus for testing. For all testing. I didn't think about it in that way, but in in the traditional martial arts, there is a syllabus for testing. It's very easy and clear. I thought about it more deeply after the, the previous conversation we had, and that's why it's hard to really define what a black belt is in BJJ because there yeah. aren't a list of exact techniques and forms that you need to show to be at this level. You also have to perform and you also have to do the intangibles that your coach or your teacher would deem as like, I remember quality. I I remember Paul saying like, should I make Chris and, and, and Kali like know what lapel guard is? He's like, is that even fair? Like (laughs) was lapel guard even really a thing when they started? So think about that. Like that's oh, like th- like I think even yeah, that like what's a black belt technique versus what's a blue belt technique? It's like no, you have to be right? a black belt. Like, we, we take we take a look at what the techniques were around when you were a white belt, and you have to know those when you're a black belt. Even if we add like all this other stuff, so, which is why Hickson's really a purple belt. <laughs> oh, because it's constantly evolving. There's so. more. There's more being had. Like there weren't Baron Bolos. There were like when you guys started. I'm, I think people were doing Baron. No, uh, no, when you no started, there were no barren bowls, and there's no yeah, deep there half either, probably. Or deep, deep half was, was just uh, was just new, coming. Yeah. So that's already now you I have mean, honestly guard. half guard itself was very underdeveloped when. So yeah, it was just closed guard. So you just had to know closed guard. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a, it was an interesting thing because it was just like from a knowledge requirement things like do I do I like. So I need to expect Chris to know what a you know what lapel guard but is I and the sweeps though, and all that. Familiarity stuff. is a big thing. At least like. You know, my biggest thing, uh, especially about being a black belt, is I shouldn't be expected to perform everything, but I should be able to look at something because I understand the principles of biomechanics, physics, relationships between parties doing things, that I should be able to look at something and have a reasonable idea of why that worked the way it did. And, and as long as and, I could do that, then... And also, I think really good guys... And I think good black belts do this. They'll tell you who to talk to if you're interested in something. Yes. Rec- be like, oh, yeah. oh okay. like skill recognition. Be like, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I'm not the best guy to talk to. You want to talk to so-and-so. And he's, he's, or he or she have really has a deep understanding. That's like why when people talk half guard, like a lot of people are like, well, I can show you half guard, but if you really want to understand half guard, talk to Jake McKenzie. He's right. been doing it at a world-class level. And very few people actually do half guard. You know what I mean? So that, that's, I think, the other thing where it's like recognizing that, yes, I have, a, I have a knowledge of everything. And then they're domain experts in certain areas. And maybe I'm a domain expert in one or two things, but I can also point you to the resource or person that can and that's, that's give you a, a deeper answer. big, big thing about like jujitsu as a whole, too. That's different than probably what you've experienced is like 
Master knows everything. Yeah, like, <laughs> we, you know, we as a black belt, I never claim to know everything, you know, and but that's very that's right. different in in traditional martial arts, you know, and that's that's probably a a big like you, you I mean, you could have paid three thousand dollars to learn everything, mm-hmm. right? But I'd imagine just based on the I fact would have that instantly known everything. You would have, right? <laughs> yeah, but but it sounds to me like the jujitsu you experienced that was not the case because the fact that they were willing to to open up and learn like those the 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 Henzo tapes. Yeah, I don't want to dump on my previous karate style because they're cool guys, man. Um, but Yoshikai it means like hall dojo or hall of continuous self improvement, and I always you know, really thought that. But once I got to BJJ, it really was continuous self-improvement. Like, even at the Paul level, he's continuing to evolve his game and learn different things and sharpen his timing. That wasn't the case with those traditional martial arts. Right. You get to a certain point, you know this, and you're just, you're good. Like, you're tenured. You're done. Like, how many more forms can you learn? Like, that's the, that's what always kind of got me. Secret you forms. Know? Yeah, like, and that's just, like, because you learn another form that makes you a better martial artist. See, I, I'm not there. You know, like. I, I haven't been there, but I wonder, like, when you learn the secret form, do you then learn you can't pass it on unless they give you $3,000? Like, <laughs> like, 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 that's the thing. Is it, like. Is it like almost like a carny thing or it's like you're either on the inside or you're a mark on the outside, you know, like, but I mean, so all things though, I mean, that's, that's why, um, a lot of these Eastern martial art styles can always be likened to a religion because the structure of those is always, there's like a higher power. There's secret knowledge that's passed down, blah, blah, blah. What's the higher power in Taekwondo? What's that? What's the higher power in Taekwondo? Um, I mean, just the, whoever the grand ninth, oh, okay. ju- you know, grand like, poobah, Junri. Yeah, they're the all knowing, huh? right? It's Junri. Oh, yeah, Junri. Yeah, when mean, he goes out in the streets and, uh, <laughs> and does 100 push ups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he actually went out in the streets and he would, I believe, he would be like a mark in the streets and wait for people to fight him and then he would, he would oh. fight Would him. he really? Yeah. That goes against all martial arts. Like, <laughs> all the. It's like I dangle her a hundred dollar bill in the street. <laughs> hey, nope. <laughs> so, have we reached the end of our conversation? <laughs> no, I was actually—he just mentioned June Reese. I was about to rip on some traditional martial arts more, but um, I think we've done enough of that. Yeah. The, um, so, have you been? When was the last time you did kickboxing class? This summer. Was no, it, yeah, yeah. I was, well, no, not this summer. Was oh, it this with winter. of mine? Yeah, I was, I, was, I was training. Was that when you fucked your foot up? Yeah, that's oh. when I messed my foot up. But yeah, it feels good now. I'm excited to get back into it. And again, it's going to be the, the timing, right? Just like Noah said mm-hmm. about tennis. Just working on the timing again and getting that back and try to blast some kicks in without, without hurting myself. Is there anything from your karate background that you feel... Um, you do better in Muay Thai with because you did it beforehand. Maybe the footwork, the footwork of uh, of point fighting helps mm-hmm. a lot with just distance control. Um, I remember GSP mentioned the same thing, like with point fighting in fencing, he can he learned how to control distance a lot better. Yeah. So a little bit of that, but I think one thing that I incorporate into my Muay Thai game is is really strong side kicks. Um, mm. That that 
not a lot of people. You still are, use sidekicks? And yeah, kick, really. I still use them. For I've sure. eliminated it altogether because I'm. Why? I'm so afraid of expo of back exposure. Okay. Yeah, like it's just I, I'm I'm afraid of turning my back too much. Like if you ever see me do kickbox, I'm basically in like a square like jujitsu stance, mm-hmm. um, and everything's very straight line and and not like I don't blade my body at all, but. That's a I definitely see. I think there's opportunities for it. Say, like if you miss a low kick or something, they scoot back. Yeah, you yeah, still yeah, gain yeah, that yeah. space. Kung Lee did that a lot. Yes, I mean he was also a Sancho San Chao. Yeah. I I I um I I won or I I went to his gym when I visited San because I have a bunch of family in San Jose and like it was like closed that day. But I I wanted to train back back in the day. Never had that opportunity. I know Kung Lee was the man. Like everyone. A lot of traditional martial arts love Kung Lee back in the day because he oh, was... Oh, man. D- Viet Pride, man. Like, he, <laughs> he, he made it. <laughs> so. What was his big victory? He had a big victory in Rich the Franklin. UFC. Oh, he beat Rich Franklin. Rich Franklin, yeah. He Rich dropped Franklin. him pretty good. Knocked yeah. him out. And beat, he, beat up, he broke Frank Shamrock's arm in Strike Force. Strike Force, not the UFC, according to Dana White. <laughs> oh, but, I mean, they lumped it all together. But. All right. Well, dude... I don't want to keep you guys waiting. You guys got to get your hands wrapped and everything. I got to break in my new gloves. So the shoots, oh God, they're like so tight. All right. Well, Steve, hopefully you bring another batch of great ratings. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I had no idea <laughs> that I would be back on again. <laughs> no, appreciate it's an it, honor. Thank you.